Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Sean Ryan, 21 years of career and volunteer experience, currently the lead instructor for Albemarle County Fire Rescue in Virginia. From the moment Sean talks anything regarding the fire service, you will have no doubt on how much love and drive he has for the service. Sean was able to battle a huge obstruction that came into his life, and I believe your mindset plays a huge part in obtaining a positive outcome. Many gems were dropped in this interview in regards to the different topics we spoke on. With that, I present Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan, uh, senior firefighter with Albemarle County Fire and Rescue. Got into the fire service, man. I tell you what, I'm one of those candidates that got into the fire service by accident. I was not looking uh, to become a firefighter. Um, I had a, a much different path laid out, right? I was I was kind of a troublemaker. I, I was uh, I was spending my time doing everything but serving the public. I was probably more of a public menace than anything else. Okay. Um, happened to have an oven fire, um, and the uh, local volunteer company had come out. And I got to talking with some of those guys. And initially, uh, it all started as community service that evolved into me wanting to become a fireman. Um, okay. So, it, it, you know, I got my hooks into it really early. Um, kind of fell in love with the craft and uh, been loving it ever since. Okay. All right. And um, for those that don't know, you are a senior firefighter with Albemarle County Fire Rescue in Virginia. Uh, can you tell us about a little bit about the department size, how many stations, uh, run calls, things of that nature? Yeah, we're we're a very actively growing department. Uh, when I first started, there was 44 of us. And today now we have just pushing 200. Um, pretty busy. It's a busy system. I will say that we we run a lot of EMS calls. We are a, an ambulance running firehouse. We run our medic units. We run truck companies, uh, engine companies out of currently 10 both career and volunteer firehouses. So we do still have daylight stations where they'll staff 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and then we have a couple 24-hour houses, four of those now, east, west, south, and north of the counties divided up between two battalions. So uh, great, great department to work for, uh, very highly motivated uh, emphasis on training. They don't, they don't look at uh, what we're doing um, today we're looking at what we're doing tomorrow. So being in a progressive department allows us to not stay, you know, stale and stagnant. Mm-hmm. So have great appreciation for our, our leadership. Okay. All right. And, um, uh, what, uh, what jurisdictions border you guys? So we actually, uh, we surround Charlottesville city. Okay. Um, so Charlottesville right in the center. So we have a pretty good working relationship with, uh, with CFD, and then we've got uh, mostly volunteer counties around us. So Greene County, Orange County, Harrisonburg, Rockingham, uh, and then kind of to our east would be the uh, Goochland, Hanover, Richmond way. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, I, I, if, I, if I heard that correctly, uh, your apparatus, um, you, like you have ALS engines, ALS trucks, things of that nature. We do. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Is, is that a requirement for every member to at some point? Uh, obtain their ALS or is it okay if they, if they stay BLS certified? No, thankfully uh, our department like will absolutely support someone just wanting to be a firefighter. 
Um, you just have to get your basic certification. So you got to be an EMTB, mm-hmm. but they will hundred percent support you not going the ALS route. It's not one of those. Uh, that was what kind of was another appeal to me about this department. It doesn't force you to get ALS because that just makes shit medics. <laughs> so no, you're um, right. You're right. So we've got guys that are real passionate about EMS. I don't understand those guys, but you know, they do their job. They like right. it. Right, uh, and then right. you got the other guys. We're real passionate about the fire service, the training aspects, being on a rig. Um, so that works out real well for us. Okay. Um, and if that, if an individual wants to promote to like, let's just say a captain or something, is that a requirement that you have to have your ALS or is there ways around it? So that's another nice thing. You don't have to be ALS to be a captain. Um yeah. You can you can remain a BLS captain. Now, some of the more favorable houses are, are going to go to the ALS captains. They're going to get the 24 hour assignments. They're going to get an assignment with the uh, like our heavy rescue or medium duty rescue on the south end. That's going to require an ALS captain's position. Okay. Um, so though the answer, the simple answer is no, you don't have to be ALS. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to help your chances of promotion. OK. All right. Well, I, I still like it. I still like how. And like how you mentioned it, you know, they're not the members there aren't forced to get their ALS because, I mean, to be honest, I would say a decent majority of individuals don't really want to do the firefighter ALS thing. I mean, it's cool, but like me, I'd I'd rather stay BLS and kind of just my main focus would be fire. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, So where did you start at? Uh, when you got on Albemarle? So when I got on, I was on an engine and I've, I've remained on an engine. Uh, I've worked some truck company operations uh, between my volunteer houses and um, just kind of, we, we have to jump staff at the house that I was at. So we would run an engine, but we'd also jump over to the truck for that call, which is less than ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, I like truck work, uh, stayed on. I, I enjoy that a little bit more. It allows for some more decision-making, uh, allows for some critical thinking to take place. Uh, I find that, you know, anytime you get on the truck, you've got folks that want the hard job on scene. You got guys that want to work. Um, but promote, primarily it's been, it's engine company dominant uh, at our department, um, which is nothing bad. Don't get me wrong. There's also something that's great about forcing doors, immediately right. searching floors with a nozzle in your hand, being able to do right. multi-purpose work. Um a couple of years ago, I had uh, been approached and was asked if I would come into the training division um, to kind of help start spreading some of that passion more globally throughout the department versus just the local, like within your company. Um, so quickly answered yes to that. And I've been the last uh, last four recruit schools now. I've been able to be uh, assisting and lead to kind of work from that end on our new recruits. Okay. All right. Uh, and when the time is right, are, are you able to, w- when you're ready to go back on the truck, I'm assuming all you have to do is just say, Hey, I'm ready to go back and they put you back in your spot or will they have to fit you in? No. So that, that was the, another nice thing. Uh, I've, I've basically, I've been told, you know, I can come out, just give them that heads up so we can get a little bit of a transition period in. Um, we've got one of our larger recruit schools starting up in January and then another to follow. So I, I've said that I'll stay around for those next two schools and I, I look forward to getting back out into operations. Okay. All right. Um, with that being said, with you being a lead instructor for your department's academy, um, what, 
when when the opportunity was was asked of you to do that like what made you decide you know yeah I'm gonna give this a shot I think it came for me um you know when you're sitting around the firehouse and you're talking about all the things that we should be doing you mm-hmm. know we've all had those conversations either at dinner or at lunch we're like hey we need to be doing this we should be doing this our recruits are coming out missing xyz um you know and then just kind of having not so much of a distrust of, you know, IFSTA and IFSAC and all these other companies, but like all these things that they're being taught, it's not that they're not pertinent when they come on the job, but there's such a disconnect, you know, they're not really learning what they're actually going to find when they force a door or they're not being told about hoarder conditions. You know, you're, you're briefing over this real small stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. mobile home fires, apartment fires, like how are you going to go from one and then immediately tactically change for, you know, a garden style because everything is so generic in the book. Right. All right, right. And we've all seen the photos that are, they're completely incorrect, but we were seeing that, you know, you get some of the instructors and I hate saying, it, especially going into a highly motivated training division with some really great guys, but you, you see a lot of guys that just kind of want to get through, you know, that's mm-hmm. like, Hey, we got to get our, our students to pass. We got to get them this information. We got to get this. We, and you just start hearing the check boxes. They're not saying it, but you, you can tell this is what's happening. So I'd been talking about this with my battalion uh, uh, chief at the time. And he says, you know, there's one way to fix it. And I kind of looked at him, you know, that, that the dumb look, you know what he's going to say, but you don't <laughs> want to hear it. Right. So He says, you know, there's one way to fix it. You, you know, you can get into training and start, you know, leaving an impact, leaving your mark. And, you know, for I, I molded over probably for about three or four months before agreeing to it. Cause it's a big change. You know, you're coming off a 24 hour shift, right. you're going to a daylight assignment it's academia versus, you know, you get them out into the rig, you can teach guys stuff there. So I said, okay, came in. Uh, we started talking about what we have to do versus what we can do. And when I found that we have a lot of room to work within a structured curriculum, right? Like right. just because I have to teach you fire extinguishers doesn't mean we can't light off the burn box and show you how to use a water can or light off the car fire prop and actually show you how to approach it with a dry chem for fuel spills. You know, we can make the learning environment more fun, but actually get you in your gear, get you working under those conditions and uh, moving around. Same thing with roof work. I mean, we had a a terrible roof prop for a while. It was just garbage. So we're teaching you a four by four hole under perfect conditions, Mm -hmm. you know? So now Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, let's take the extra time. Let's shoot some shingles down on this thing. Let's gum up the saw blade a little bit. Let's smoke up underneath of it. Let's make it more challenging. So when they get out here, they cut their first roof and everything goes to hell. It's not the first time this has occurred. So it was that uh, redirecting passion from frustration and what things weren't being done to saying, Hey, let's, let's actually be part of the solution rather than sitting here complaining. All right. Like it. I, I really do. I like it. Um, uh, and I don't know the um, the finances of, of of your department, but how important is realistic training to you for a recruit? Because you know we can do lots of training out there, and you you, you stated it perfectly with cutting a vent hole under perfect conditions, no smoke, things of that nature. That gives a false sense of security to these new individuals coming into the fire service. Yeah, I think I think realistic training is is unbelievably critical um i laugh i i stole this from gary lane a long time ago back he he had spoken at andy frederick's training days and i was in the audience and i came down and was talking to him later but i immediately took what he said and i ran with it i have gone dumpster diving at construction sites 
to pick up material so we can utilize the broken drawers, drywall, OSB material, just to build a couple props that we know we're going to destroy. Um, and even without apartment, we were able to, uh, we never burned in the basement of our burn building. So okay. we got permission to change it to a two bedroom, one bath, single apartment. So we were able to build walls, put in toilets, bathtubs, all this stuff that we got from Goodwill. I think we spent like 1200 bucks on all this stuff, but now we have a fully functional apartment that people can search. Um, it's amazing. You get a couple of highly motivated guys together, how much you can build, um, you know, forcible entry doors. If you're willing to rebuild the thing, we can give you a residential door all day, you know, mm-hmm. to have them feel it. Cause I, I think some of the things that we started teaching in Academy is I started teaching how to force that door, you know, whether it's the red door, the blue door, the enforcer, whatever out there, we start kind of teaching you the tricks to beat that big metal Goliath of a door. Right. But we're not really showing you that if you shock most residential doors, that door is wide open and you right. just introduced a significant amount of air and fires coming back towards you. Right. So I'd much rather us build those kind of props. So these cats are starting to really figure stuff out and even, you know, put them on the front of the burn building, heat up that room. So when they're feeling a door for heat, everyone touches it with a gloved hand. It's like, brother, you're not going to feel anything. Mm-hmm. You know, hold on. Let's, let's peel that gauntlet back for a minute. Start at the bottom. You know, if that bottom of the door is super hot, then you know you got to fight. You touch it at the top, we kind of expect it to be hot, right? Mm-hmm. But you touch that door at the bottom, it's super hot. You know you got a good fight on the other side. So we were able to really duplicate some of that. You know, our hoarder conditions. I tell you, you go to you go to a Goodwill and you fill up a couple shopping carts full of stuff, <laughs> and you just have a couple guys that just want to eat it in through the building. You can make some hoarder conditions. You know, changing elevations in a burn building and. uh, you know, of course, I, I get too that there's a lot of departments out there that might not have the like their chief of the divisions of training division support to do that. And I get that. But I still think, you know, even if it's just stacking some pallets to change elevation into a room so folks can kind of have that feeling of, wait a second, why is my cylinder hitting the ceiling? You know, they can experience that in a very, you know, chill environment versus one that's superheated, zero viz um, and go from there. And you know, we've traveled across the country teaching and we'll, we've found so many different folks who have built what they have in their first do, which I always appreciate too. Like I shouldn't be training my guys for skyscrapers. We don't have any here, you know, right. our tallest is six to seven stories at the multi hospital or the multi-story hospital. Okay. So if, if I'm wasting time on high rises, we're not talking about all the risks they're going to face with our standard garden style apartments, two to three story homes, some of the mansion fires, or even then the trailer fire. Right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if we can build those conditions, make it realistic for them in training. Um, and then we call it heat inoculation. Almost. We get about two weeks of just burns with our recruits and we always rotate them in with ignition so they can kind of feel what happens if their gear starts getting saturated and how quickly they can fix it just by moving, you know, okay. Okay. I'd rather them get a little bit stinging and uncomfortable with me beside them in a, in a burn building versus them feeling their first little bit of heat in the hallway and then backing up, you know? So we, we've put a lot of, I'm, I get, I'm so blessed that I have an amazing training cadre with me right now in, in our training division. All of us are very eager to work. We're all there super early. We stay late. Um, just finding new things to build and construct to make the next day's uh, instruction better. Okay. I like it. <laughs> I do. Um, a hot topic question. When to say when, when a recruit isn't cutting it, because unfortunately nowadays we fire departments all over the nation are having issues getting individuals to 
you know, for recruitment to hire. And when they are able to get these individuals with JPRs and check boxes, as you mentioned, you know, sometimes some departments are letting individuals graduate out of the academy onto a truck that unfortunately don't really need to be on the truck because they become a liability to not only themselves, but the crew that they work with. So uh, what do what's your process and what do you look for to, to, to finally say, hey, unfortunately, I'm sorry, such and such, but this isn't for you? Yeah, I mean, I tell you, it is tough as hell. I've talked to so many people that run into the same problem. And uh, and even even with me, you know, coming in initially, you know, before before coming to the training division, it's always at how the hell they make it out of academy, right? It's like that's the discussion that takes place. And you're right. like, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to get this. And it always seemed like people just skated by. And some do. You know, that none of us, none of us want to tell somebody, especially it's their job, you know, hey, your career is ending we got to let you go. Like no one wants to have that conversation. However, no one else wants to have that conversation of the reason a citizen got killed or a fireman got hurt is because we let some motard out into the field that had no business being on an engine or a truck company or the rescue that we just, just allowed them through because they met the JPR. So mm -hmm. we kind of, for me personally, I, I always look at people as are they workable or not workable? Can I work with this or is there no way in hell? Do they come with heart? Do they come with some drive? Can, is this just a skill that they're having trouble learning? Um, they've, they've, I've often get teased because I don't look at a grades. Like I never did great in school. It wasn't my strong point. Right. I'm a tactile learner. I got to touch it. I got to do it. So I look at things differently. If, if they're having trouble passing a test, we can get you there, right? Like mm -hmm. we can get that. If that's, if that's what's holding you back, we'll fix that. But if it's an inability to put forth effort or if it's an inability to really show purposeful movement or like you really want to be here, if like your desire isn't here, you just kind of want to wear a costume and tell your family what you do for a living. Like, I don't have much time for that. And, you know, we have some of that conversation of like moral cowardice. You know, you watch the guy that doesn't really make the effort to make a push down, even like a burn building or an acquired structure and training or they're the last one to force that door after they've watched 13 other cadets in front of them try to try to do it because they're trying to copy what they're doing. They're not learning anything. They're not going to put mm -hmm. forth a lot of effort. They want to know the tricks, right? They want to know that right off the bat. So I think once you start to kind of identify that candidate who's not putting out in PT, who quits right away, you know, they're either making a regression early. They're not running on runs. Um, they're looking for the easy way out. They hide in the back. You identify that person whose heart's not in it, right? That's kind of what I look for first. The, the, the first people that I want to identify is the ones that don't have heart, that are going to fail you on the fire ground because they're going to fail you just on the, the training ground. So identify that, have conversations early. Hey, why are you here? You know, what, what are you doing this for? What do you need? What can, I, what can I do to help either light this fire or kind of instill some drive, give you some meaning behind what it is that we do? If that fails to work, that's when we start making those documentations on affect and performance. You know, if this person is not going to embody our core values and our first core value is the preservation of life, you know? Mm -hmm. So if they're going to be that person, who's not going to go that extra minute, extra mile, extra step, extra push, we're not going to recommend them moving any further in our steps. Sometimes, you know, I think a lot of folks, even, even when it comes to the higher epilon of our echelon of our brass, you know, they're, they're inundated with the HR culture too, right? Like they, they've got to worry about how do we go approach this? How are we going to talk to this person? 
So we have to make it a little easier for them that we're not doing this, you know, objective. It's everything or subjectively, everything's objective. Mm -hmm. We can show them specific bullet points where they're not meeting. Right. So that onus comes back on us. So we've got to do a real good job of being like, I can't come up and say, Hey, uh, this guy's a dud. You know, I have to show them why and why this is going to be something that will hurt our department rather than help our department. And then having that comfortable, uncomfortable conversation of, it's okay that this job is not for everyone. You know, I believe that everyone should have an opportunity to become a firefighter. Everyone mm -hmm. should, if you want this, if you saw it, I don't care if you watched, I can't, we can't even say backdraft anymore because no one's watching backdraft. <laughs> now it's going to be like, you know, Chicago fire station, whatever. Right. Uh, right. Tacoma FD is probably more realistic at this point, but <laughs> you know, these guys watching these shows and say, Hey, I want to do this. I am for everybody coming in and giving it a shot. But they also have to expect and understand that this just is not for everyone. And that's OK. You know, maybe you failed your first time in academy. I welcome guys to come back. You know, hey, we're going to probably hire again within the next 12 months. So now, you know, areas that you need to start working, whether it's physical performance, whether it's some of your educational background, go volunteer at a local house to get some exposure and experience. Come back, you know, but I think once you've identified that a candidate just isn't going to make it. You got to have that conversation with them early, give them opportunities to correct it, mm -hmm. but it needs to be earlier. I don't want to drag someone out six months and then towards graduation, you know, let them go for failure to perform. I want them to know within that first month, two, three at most that they're not going to cut. And, and having sat on those panels where we've let people go, it's awful, man. I don't, I don't want to see someone go. No one, no one wants to be told that they're not cutting it. You know, you want to have your guys successful because you know, my recruits are, they're my guys. They're, they're these are who I'm looking out for. I'm their right. first, you know, crew boss. They're my first company. Um, so we want to give them those tools, but again, you know, being open and honest saying this just ain't for you. Um, right. and giving them options to get back, like give them, give them a pathway back. Some, some guys just, this isn't for them and that's okay. Right. right. Uh, have you had a situation where uh, an individual has has left and then they tried they actually go to that volley house and get that experience come back and are are a lot better than they were when they started yeah so it's it's funny we're I'm, I'm actually working with a guy right now uh he he went to our career academy this last go around so we started last january we separated employment uh i think it was, it was march ish um he just he wasn't getting it so he, he joined a local volunteer fire company. And I just happened to run into him about a month and a half ago because I was helping to teach the volunteer fire one academy. Yeah. And there he was, you know, it, his uniform was on point. He was probably one of the most put together cadets on the, on the fire ground. He's got a whole nother viewpoint on things. Now he's run a couple calls now as a volunteer, he's been able to get into, he's a, he's at a very motivated house, which helps too. Okay. Um, so he's kind of seeing what we were saying, right? Like in the moment, it's just your instructors coming down on you. And I get that, you know, recruits feel that we, you know, we can kind of feel like vultures and hyenas just encircling you. But now that he's had that opportunity to be away for a few months, he's had an opportunity to see things from a different angle. He's realizing he wasn't ready at that point in his life to, to have taken that step. So he's just got his EMTB certification. Couldn't be prouder of him. He put in a ton of work to get that done. Um, he's about to get certified in his fire one. They got their burn next month and he's killing it. Uh, so that's one of those great success stories that I can sit back and be like, you know, I can't wait to see you 
next recruiting period, you know, and I, I think he was going to come back and just be one of those recruits that we lean on, you know, make him the recruiting charge for a few weeks, see what he does with a little bit of responsibility. Um, but no, it's, it, it's really good to see someone making that transition. Now I've also seen people go the other way, right? We separate right. employment. They find private EMS. Now you okay. talk about comforts, warm embrace, right? Now your fitness is going to hell. You're just kind of going from this call to this call. Mm-hmm. And you know they don't have a pathway back to a to a career department. Okay. All right. Speaking of that topic, fitness and how much of a role it plays with you definitely getting getting the the new boots, potentially getting ready to be on on your fire ground. Uh, because we all know it. Most I, and I and I've heard it before, but a lot of a lot of guys would say, you know, back when I was in recruit class, I was in the best physical. Uh, physical fitness conditioning of my life. And after, you know, some either maintain it, some excel and, but unfortunately a lot of them kind of tend to dip below the radar. So how big is fitness for you? Oh, I I tell you what, it's, it's a huge part because, um, you know, your fitness is what's going to get you through the fire ground. You know, the the moment the body starts to weaken and fail you, your mind is quick to follow, Mm -hmm. you know, um, fire ground stress and fatigue it's waiting for the unprepared. You know, you can, you can see that. I, I, you know, I always, <laughs> the guys give me hell because uh, you know, we say it's a calorie enriched fire service, you know um, those guys are not doing the same thing that, that guys that are fit on the fire ground are doing. And it's just right. a reality, you right. know um, the things that we see in recruit school, again, it's a very motive. Like you are having to be motivated sometimes by the recruit instructors, we are on our runs. We are doing our hit in the field. We are doing all these drills. It's up to the recruit to maintain that discipline now when they get to the field. And, and I see it. I see it with every recruit school. You're going to have, to say 50%, I'd say that's high. Of 50% okay. of those recruits that are going to stay with that fitness model. They're going to continue losing weight. They're going to continue to excel in all areas of their PAT and their fire ground tasks. But then you have the others that are waiting for that. I mean, the firehouse is comfortable. You know, it weighs for us, right? That comfort is like a warm blanket. You just want to wrap up in that chair. You have mm-hmm. your ice cream. You eat with the guys. You're going to have a <laughs> giant plate of this, maybe a second plate of this. Or if you're on the busiest medic company, you're going to be you're going to be stopping at anywhere that can just right. feed you, right? Right. So maintaining your your fitness outside of a recruit school environment gets tougher and tougher for for folks, right? But um for me, my fitness journey has been all over the place. So a couple of years ago, I had cancer. I had to uh, recover from that. So I had abdominal surgery, lost my kidney. So I lost a lot of weight, lost a lot of muscle. And, you know, any opportunity or excuse was afforded to me, right? Like I could make excuses right. where I could suffer through a little bit of pain and be at work, you know, twice as fast. So I took the latter. I've worked and just kept beating myself down until I could build myself back up again. So when I tell these recruits, I understand what you're doing and I understand what you're going through. And I know it's, it's a journey guys, but just bear with me. We're not going to run three miles today. We're going to build up to that, you know, but at the end of Academy, this is where we're going to be. You know, I think I had a, I had a pretty good awakening um, just this last weekend. We went out to Muskogee for smoke diver qualifications in Oklahoma and, uh, Felt really good, made it through qualifying, but I had one of the worst runs I've ever put together because I'm used to running on a track, right? So I was training for a track under as best conditions I could make it. 
Okay. We land in Muskogee. It's freezing cold. It's pouring down rain. And immediately my mind started telling me all the things that it wanted to give me these like buildup of excuses. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't dialed in. I put together a pretty poor run. Uh, so put me on the alternate list, but it was one of those things on the flight back. You go, all right, where, where did I go wrong? What can I look at? It's that honest assessment. So the work continued right away. You could sit there and go, Oh, woe is me. Have a nice little pity party, complain about it. Or you can get back, dig in, work twice as hard, um, which is what we tell our recruits. It's what we tell our firemen in the field. It's you can find any reason to avoid working out, right? You can Absolutely. find anything. But if you have 10 minutes of a day, you can get a pretty good circuit in. If you've got 20 minutes, you're going to get an even better one. Hell, you got a half an hour to an hour. You've got a good training session. You can work out. So if we make it make the time rather than make excuses, we could see a heck of a transition in the fire service to a lot more physically literate folks, you know, that are better prepared for what they're going to be facing. Um, Just even on a training side, you know, every time we watch multi-company drills, you watching the same people struggle with forcing doors, struggle throwing ladders, struggle in here. And they're the guys that are always worried about people watching them. Mm -hmm. You're what, you know, you're feeling that concern because you're not prepared physically, you know? So you're worried about your performance. So instead of complaining about it, you have all the tools. Every firehouse in our County has a gym and it's a nice gym. It's not some like, Oh, you got a weight bench. Good luck boys. It's, it's a fully furnished out gym. It's great. You know? So again, you, you see those same folks that kind of look around wondering why they couldn't drag someone out of a building, why they couldn't throw a ladder, why they're, you know, fatigued. The answer simple, you know, <laughs> the answer simple, get your fitness together. Um, and then we find, you know, the opposite side of that coin, which is always funny, because if you're one of the hard chargers, you're one of the guys that are working out, you're the guys that either eating right, um, showing up early, putting in the work. You're also the the one with a target, right? So if you're Absolutely. at that fire and you're the guy that cramps up, oh, man, you don't hear the end of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of one of my uh, brothers in arms with with our training cadre and, and uh, just a real good friend of mine in the fire service, they had a recent fire, sure enough he had put out a heck of a workout the day before the the morning of, excuse me. And he's cramping up at the fire, but what everyone's giving him hell about and failed to realize is this man is already like chucked a bunch of ladders. He's running in and out of this building. He's already made three or four entries, but it goes back to the, Oh, where's your fitness now? You know, it's right. Right. Make yourself target for ridicule. Um, And you also the guy that when they can't find you, you're in the gym and you know, or eating separate because everyone's eating, Mm-hmm. You know, the third lasagna and you're over there eating something small because you're actually counting your carbs today. You're going to be you're going to be the story of jokes for a little while. But, you know, again, that mental toughness kind of comes into play there too. just do what's right for you, your family, your body and uh, ultimately the citizens that we're serving. No, you're absolutely correct. And first of all, man, congratulations on on beating cancer, because, oh, you. you know, that's uh, my mom went through cancer and unfortunately second time around, I came back, it, it took her out. So, you know, that's, that, that's a testament to yourself. And, um, the fact that during your recovery back, you know, like you said, it's so easy. You can make so many excuses to take the easy way out of, well, I had this to, to kind of feel sorry for yourself, but you, you, you flipped it with you, with the mindset of, no, I want to get back on a truck. I want to get back to doing what I love. And if that involves, 
sweat, pain, and you know, a little blood, man. All you need is heart, and yeah. and that's it. And it's so you're you're so right. It's very easy for you to not want to get up and do that workout. But I um I, I'm gonna paraphrase it here, but uh I take one from John Spare who's like if you think or if 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 you hear the way I talk to other people regarding fitness, you should hear how I talk to myself. And that's so true because I I will call myself words like if somebody's listening, they're like, man, this guy is terrible. But <laughs> it's what you do because I look at it as when that person calls 911, they don't care. They don't want to hear excuses of, oh, you just got done with a, with a crazy workout. Well, it's okay. Take your time. I'm in here trapped. But, hey, whenever you get right, no, it's people expect us to do our job when they call 911. So, you know, that's that's how I look at it. And I love your outlook on it. Yeah, no doubt, man. I, you know, you never – you ever look around on the fire ground or even at your battalions and you know, the battalions that if, if you look at, if you're off and you look at your phone we have first do for us, that's our app to track our phone and staffing, uh-huh. but you see a fire come out. Then you look at what battalions going or what companies, what companies first, going? you know how that fire is going to go. Right. So, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? It's just like, right. it's the same thing when you get, when you're looking at overtime lists, I, I can look at them and be like, I am not working on that. engine <laughs> under this guy, or I don't want to go to this side of the battalion. And, it's the same thing. You know, those guys that are, are motivated, those guys that are passionate, those guys that are that are treating their bodies just like any other tool that we use in the fire service. It's mm-hmm. if we are not physically and mentally prepared for the rigors of this job, we have already failed the citizens before even leaving quarters. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think for us, we put a great emphasis on fitness, but I think that the fire service as a whole has finally started coming back to fitness, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just just looking at Instagram and and everything that's being popped up there, we are seeing that return to fitness as a priority again, which warms my heart, man, because that is exactly what we need. You know, we don't need another doodad on the engine. We need we need guys that can perform under the worst conditions with just garbage if you have to, and you can still get the job done effectively. You know, right? right. Um, but yeah, it's I, I always laugh when uh, you know you always hear that oh man that guy's a machine. Yeah, but he wasn't born a machine. You have to work at this. Exactly. You know? There's, and I loved what you just said, and that, and Spare says it all the time too. With, you know, if you could only hear how I talk to myself, especially at my five a.m. mornings where I'm by myself in the gym, where it's mm-hmm. really easy. No one knows. No one counts mm-hmm. my reps. It's just me, right? Mm-hmm. So, and immediately looking at myself and having that moment of, knock it off, right. push this off your chest, knock it off, two more. You know, if, if you're counting down to like, I, I find myself like tormenting myself with only one. Well, no, now it's two more. Um, well, let's make it three. Oh, my body can take one more, you know? Okay. So the recruits, they used to do that whole, Hey guys, only five more. I'm like, Oh no, 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 <laughs> not anymore. Who are you to keep count? Now we're just changing it. But <laughs> if they only knew I did that to myself too, you know, right. Uh, right. Don't give yourself the way out. Don't look for, don't look for the excuses. Take the hard task, you know? Um, and I, I said that, you know, cause I deal with, uh, with my doc, my nephrologist now who works with my single kidney life. And she do always tell me the things I can't do. Okay. So I would tell her, I'm like, well, that's going to be a problem for me because I'm going to do this. And, you know, we have to find that middle of the road for everything we do. So she's kind of learned how to work with me on that. I've learned to kind of work within their parameters, but you know, I didn't want anything ever to look at as a disability. I want to figure out how we're going to, how we're going to get around it. Like, tell me the steps that I can do. Don't tell me what I can't do. 
Right. And I've been hearing that my whole life. Let's, let's find out what I can and I'll work towards that. You know, Absolutely. I'll put my motivation there. Absolutely. And of course, you, you know, as well as I do, the older we get, the harder this job is. I mean, it, oh, yeah. there's no secret that fire service is a young man's game because as we get older, we, our bodies aren't able to bend like this, how they used to. And, you know, I see it because my fireman, he's like 23. And so like when we do like a circuit, man, he's out and I'm like, pace, pace yourself. Like it's yeah. good. You can do that now, but I'm telling you when you get older, it's all about pacing yourself, control oh, yeah. your breathing. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> they always tease me, especially in the, in a lot of my group is the same thing, the twenties and then maybe some early thirties. I turned 40 in June and, uh, I told the guys, I said, you know, there's that level of I will do everything that I've got to do and I will do everything with you all. But my recovery is a whole lot slower now. Now it's mm -hmm. like I had to start finding yoga as my best friend. Stretching is, you know, it absolutely gets me back into the fight. Okay, But it always feels good uh, to still be one of the instructors that instead of talking about how we're going to do this, being able to get up there and demoing it. And being able to still be fast, but it's because my steps, I don't have to repeat them now. It's not like feverishly beating on a door or like working on a door jam with the jaws. It's able to kind of, I pick my purchase points now through experience. I, I hit where I want to hit. Everything I do is deliberate. And, you know, it, it saves me those seconds where I might not be able to make it up on being able to go, you know, straight at it with a 10 pound sledge, you know, <laughs> like right. I used to. Right. But yeah, pacing yourself, man. It's, and it's hard because all of us are competitive, right? We all have that competitive edge and none of us want to like always look at it and be reminded that we have a shelf life. Like you said, our, our, our careers in this, if we're being honest with ourselves, you know, this is, this is a tough, tough business to, to stay in, you know, searching floors, forcing doors, crawling hallways, you know, it wears on you and it, and it keeps wearing on you the longer we do it. Yes. So again, finding those things like those ice baths, the stretching and, you know, focusing a lot of your recovery. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think I put nowhere near as much emphasis on my recovery in my young years as I do now. And I wish I had, cause I think I would have probably, you know, saved the knees a little bit more, the elbows and the shoulders, but you know, then we, you know, see guys out there that are still just crushing it in their fifties. Right. So right. that's who I look at these days. I don't look at my I love my 20 year olds that are competing in everything that they can. Now I look at the guys that are, that played the long game and they're like, I want to be that, you know, I want to be that 52 year old still riding backstep, you know, so be a good Absolutely. life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, the topic of aggressiveness, what does that mean for you? I tell you, you know, it gets such a, it, it's almost like a bad word in the fire service today, right. right? Like people hear aggressive, you either see eyes roll in the back of their head and they're, or they just look at you and be like, ah, this guy again, you know, mm -hmm. the first and like thing I really want to make like known with, especially my recruits and my chiefs, it's like aggressive is not synonymous with unsafe, you know, just because we're looking at doing things aggressively to me, aggressive is more deliberate. It's purposeful. Um, you know, speed of action, speed of task. Being aggressive means that, you know, again, it's firefighting. Fighting is in the, in the name, you know, no matter what type of fight you're in, we are still up against an opponent that wants to win just right. as we do. And right. the consequences are severe, whether injury or death is still on the table for us in our fight, you know? Mm -hmm. So if we are not looking at 
everything in our approach. I, I look at aggressive again, deliberate and speed, purpose of action of getting off the truck, moving around that 360. I don't want to, I don't want the officer that just kind of walks, you know, or the officer that maybe kind of takes a peek around the corner. I want the guy that laps the building. He does it quickly, calls an audible if necessary. I want the junior guys on my rig to be the ones that are masking up with their gloves on. I want them saving those seconds and masking up while like looking at the building, making sure that conditions haven't changed. I don't, I don't want the guy looking at their shoes and, you know, struggling with their mask up or, or did I forget this? Or did I forget that? I want the guy moving quick. When we get up to the door, I want the forks or the ads set in that thing. I want the door popped. I want it controlled. I want them to relook to make sure there's not a victim right there. And then that aggressive approach to me too, is looking at guys that are willing to, Hey, I popped the door. I got smoke you know, three feet, four feet off the ground, but I see a victim 10 feet in. I want that guy to be like, okay, I can either take this additional second or two or 10 under stress, mask up, or I can quickly grab this guy, pull him back towards the door, maybe take a slap on the wrist, maybe take a right up at worst. But I want someone who's going to employ, like, think like a fireman, you know, right. I want you out there doing your job. And, right. um, you know, it, it's, I look at the difference between a couple guys that come out of a fire versus the other, like the guys that, you know, have just made a push. You can mm -hmm. see it in the face. You know what I mean? You get those mm -hmm. guys that are coming out and they look beat up, but the fire's out, you know, the steam and smoke and soot rolling out behind them, but they just took a beating. Right. But you also see those other companies that come out the door and you still got active fire in there. They look fresh, but they're going to rehab, you know? <laughs> now you're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I like the aggressive approach. Hey, it's hot in here, Cap. Yeah, I know. We're good. Just keep making the push. Keep the nozzle open. Hey, it's really hot in here. Yeah, I know, Lou. Just keep making the push. We've got this. I want the, you know, proactive, the thinking truck that's on the back. Here's that window getting slapped with water. Go ahead and take that. Let's make some conditions better. Let's get some thinking firemen on that backside. You know, it's not freelancing when you're accomplishing that task. You know, it's going to be caught. Maybe they can't call for that uh, curb. Maybe their hands are busy. Maybe that mic is tucked under the armpit somewhere, you know. But it's like, I want that aggressive, thinking, proactive fireman with me uh, in recruit school. Even though it's a recruit school setting, I love watching them on burns. I love the guys that are, things are starting to click. I want us, I want to see you run up the stairs. I want to see you run with the ladder. I want to see that come off your shoulder and spike where the whole no running on the fire ground ever came from. I don't know, but I can tell you, it's definitely not set on our hard deck. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, I want to see those people coming out with deliberate purposeful movement. I want them to know and understand and truly believe that someone's life is counting on that speed and, you know, purposeful action. Um, you know, we have a headlines comment uh, when guys are a little too rough with a search or guys aren't really paying attention or guys kind of, do their own little thing and fly off. Okay. We say headlines, just read this two found dead in Albemarle house fire, you know, cause that's what the difference is. You failed to meet and found those mannequins. Okay. Yeah. It's a game in your head right now, but let me bring it more real to you. Cause that's what it's going to say tomorrow in the paper or tomorrow on the news. So I bring it back to them a little bit. And same when I asked my recruits, how many of you all live in the district, you know, start seeing people's hands come up. And I was like, I need you to ask you this question. It's the same thing that you see all over social media. Do you want you coming to rescue your family? Mm -hmm. You know, if your child is trapped at home, are you comfortable with the fact that it's you and your engine company responding tonight? You know, and if the answer is no, then you need to start fixing that. Right. 
Right. Because I, I know I've had these conversations with the deputy chief who will remain nameless, but he'll be listening and he'll be laughing when he hears it. Uh, I said, you know, we got into a minor, not a tiff really, but kind of a, you know, anyone time people call you passionate, you know, there's a follow-up. Right. That. Right. So my thing with him is I said, you know, chief, all due respect, if your house is on fire and your family's trapped, you're going to be pretty grateful to see me running, you know, on the fire ground with that ladder on my shoulder, eating it to the second floor window. Maybe I did or did not have all my PPE on in proper order, mm-hmm. but you can guarantee this. I will make sure that every effort is made to get your family out. And we kind of laughed about it later. And he was one of the ones who supported me coming into the training division. So it is, we have subsequently kind of worked through that being passionate is not always crazy and reckless. Absolutely. It's just that it comes off that way because again, in the fire service, you got a lot of employees mm-hmm. versus fire, you know, mm-hmm. and again, no, fire right. to me is not gender specific, right? That right. fireman is my blanket term describing everybody who I care about and who I'm willing to share some of the worst moments in time with. Um, but I look at, I look at it and I'm like, I want the person who gives a shit. I want the guy that's going to make the push and they're going to, you know, again, we call it aggressive firemanship because we believe that that is what it takes. We, it takes that character. It takes that moral um, commitment to get in there and get the job done effectively. Um, And when we teach, you know, some of the things that I, I tell people, you know, none of us are holding you captive here. If this isn't for you, if this is too difficult, you can leave, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be here. You know, I didn't come to your door and force you to take this training class, or I didn't come to your door and force recruit you. If you're feeling that you can't move with this speed and you can't, you know, take these tasks on, don't be here, you know? Um, Because once, once we make that door and once we start making that hallway, there are no timeouts. There's no do-overs to our fires. I, I've, I've had plenty of fires. I wish I could have some do-overs too. That you know, I, you know, I look back at those, but I take them and then I start gearing training towards that. You know, you take those losers and you say, "Hey, we're not repeating this. We're going to do X, Y, and Z differently. And the only way we're going to accomplish X, Y, and Z is to get out here on the hard deck and put in some sweat equity. You know, get that blood on the hard deck, get that sweat falling down the gear, and make up for our shortcomings." um, by, by bettering one another, you know, and then having those honest conversations, you know, you, you can't sit back after you just watched your battalion completely shit the bed on a fire and be like, Hey guys, we did a good job. No, we didn't. We did not do a good job. You know, we we need to correct this. And I think the only way we can correct that is through those honest conversations. Maybe, you know, if we've had a less scary word than aggressive, you know, people will be more apt to say, Hey, uh, insert whatever, and we'll do it this time. But, you know, I, I try to use speed of purpose, um, as much as I can because, or speed and purpose, just because, you know, again, you get the eyes rolling every time you hear, you know, I want aggressive firefighters on the ground, you know, this, and then it did start for a little while there. It was a, it was a buzzword. It's like aggressive truck tactics, aggressive forcible entry. It's like, come on guys, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think, too, too often we compare aggressive with recklessness um, and unsafe. And that's just, that's just not true. It's just a bunch of hard hitting Jake's that want to do the job. Um, and they're not afraid to get dirty, to get sweaty, to get, you know, a little raw on the ears or maybe cook the shoulders a little bit. They're willing to make that push because they know what's on the line. Oh, I, just, I couldn't have 
stated it any better. I mean, you're 100% facts, 100% factual on everything you just said. So um, no, no rebuttal there. But you're right. It's one of those words that it's either going to spark good debate or it's going to spark a mixed debate. Um, but yeah. I, I like I like how, how you put it um, in, in in context for it. So um, last question for you, though. Um, are you, So it, it sounded like you, you were trying to do the Oklahoma smoke divers. Is, is that is that something is that a goal of yours that you're trying to 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 achieve? Uh, it is. So, um, my ultimate, <laughs> so these are those weird things that a, a guy like me thinks about when you're like post-op from like, I, once I was in, uh, out of surgery and I'm sitting, I was in the hospital four days after they had taken my kidney and I was, I, I was writing stuff down. I'm a big a journal a lot. Okay. So I'm writing things down and I started writing, what do I want to do with my fire service career? Cause you get to that point where you're like, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but I want to have a goal in mind. So the first goal that I had, I, I laughed at it was, I want to get back to work. Okay. So it was like, okay, well, that's just kind of, you know, you're, you're chewing around the edges. All I got to do is get fit enough to fit my, or uh, pass my fit for duty. Right. Not something complex. So instead of saying, I want to get back to work, I said, I want to become a smoke diver. So I told myself during that, I was like, I'm going to give myself X amount of time to start preparing to become a smoke diver, looking into it, getting my mindset right, getting my fitness, getting my nutrition dialed back in. And it gave me a goal now that also translated into you stop reaching all those thresholds like, OK, I'm, I'm pretty good with my recruit PT. I'm good with my PT. Sometimes, you know, you feel yourself mailing it in. Right. Like I didn't want to start just mailing in a workout. I wanted to have a goal. So I said, let's, let's go for smoke divers. So I started talking to a few friends that I've met who are smoke divers kind of delving into what the program was about. And the more I learned about the program, the more I realized that uh, fitness aside, it's probably some of the best fire service training out there. Right. Uh, it's probably <laughs> some of the most well-to-do mindset training for, you know, citizen minded, your firehouse minded, the, the brothers and sisters that we share these fights with, you know, and really kind of took a drive. Now we've, you know, I've, I've put in several times you get the, you know, mm -hmm. you didn't make it this time. So I haven't had that opportunity, just the opportunity alone to go up and compete against some of the best firemen I've met in the fire service was just an unbelievable opportunity for me. And then to, to, you know, of course, slightly disappointed, not surprised, but disappointed didn't make the first entry in it. Like you didn't get the class four, you're in, but it's the, hey, you're an alternate. And I looked at that and I was like, man, that's a victory in, in its own right. I'm, right. I'm 40. I'm, you know, that that weather kicked my ass. Not, not going to lie. Definitely found out some things about myself that I went, okay, I got some areas to work on, you know, because it's, it's, it's easy to feel comfortable with your level of fitness when you're doing the same thing, surrounded by the same people over and over again, mm -hmm. but you go and you compete at that level. And it was like, all right, yeah, I, I got some stuff to work on. Um, but that was good too. I mean, that, that to me only lit that fire, you know, more, it just, it just fueled it even better. Gave me more determination to come back more prepared if I don't get into class four. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's, um, I think it's a great program. And I think if more people looked into it, 
and started preparing for it. I think the the more people that are willing to put themselves, you know, into a program like that, the better the fire service would be, you know, do the hard shit. Don't look for the, you know, we all see it too. I, I've, I've taken my share of lectures. Don't get me wrong, but you see the guys that are only taking lectures that avoid hot classes. <laughs> and you're like, man, come on, dude. Like yeah. you got to get your hands dirty. Like yeah. I, I lecture, I get it. I, I attend some of the greatest lecturers. I've, I've listened to some of the firehouse greats and they're, it's great, but <laughs> get out of that comfort zone and, and put yourself in those hot classes. So I like when I read, you know, it's a 60 hour program. It's not for everybody. And, you know, we have a 30 to 70% washout. That's the kind of thing that I look at and go, yes, please. I will put that on my plate. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No, I get it. I get it. And I, I, I don't think that there's ever been, which I don't know, but I don't think you ever have any regular Joe Schmo come off the street and go, Oh, smoke divers. Yeah, I'll try it without preparing it all for it because like you have to, it is a, it is a, and, and David Rhodes says the best, which I'm sure all the smoke diver programs are like this. It's not a measurement of your physical fitness. It's a measurement of your mind. Because like you said before, once your mind goes, man, I'm tired. The body's going to go, Hey, I'm my, my knee hurts. All of a sudden your knee's going to hurt or something. And it's just going to affect the way you know, you, you either finish the exercise or you don't. And it's so easy to go, uh, you know, no one's looking or I've done enough. It's been like 30 minutes. I'm done. It's very easy to do that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what has been, uh, has really initially got my attention to that program was the the mindset and the, the different things are putting out the, just the reading material too. They're like, Hey, read this to get your head in the game. And you start reading some of the books that they had offered, you know, like one of my favorites that they recommend is the mind gym. And it talks yeah. about that. Once you, you know, once you allow that doubt to creep into your mind, your body will immediately just start to follow in with that being like it. We are naturally designed to seek out comfort. Our brain mm -hmm. is designed to protect us from those hard, painful things. And, you know, to seek them out, you know, it's a true test of your, of your character and, and getting out there to get that dialed in. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't find anything more appealing to me than to go out there and put in some put in some sweat. <laughs> no, awesome, awesome. I I truly hope that you you get that call and you know you and and not everybody gets it their first time. So you yeah. know people always come back and they get it two, three, four, five times. So um, good luck, man. Uh, hey, thank kudos, you. Kudos, kudos yeah, to you. Hopefully, you. hopefully, I, I you know I can hear later on. Hey, I, I got it, and you know we could we could maybe talk about it, have a part two or something. Yeah, no, um, that'd be great. But uh, I, I truly appreciate you coming on, taking the time to talk shop, man. Uh, it's, it's it's been really good conversation, good little nuggets dropped here and there for for others who want to get better at this job to hear. So I appreciate you. Yeah, well, I I truly appreciate you having me on, and I think uh, you know what has saved me throughout my entire fire service career is just remaining a student always be just constantly learn, constantly evolve, constantly just training, pushing yourself, getting pushed by others, pushing others, you know, remain a student, remain teachable, remain, you know, open. And just, we got the greatest job on earth, you know, remain humble, remain a student. So thanks again for having me on brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. If any of the listeners out there are, or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, 
contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.